Hello, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Good Leadership Podcast. I'm Paul Botts, CEO and founder of Good Leadership and co-host on this podcast with my colleague, Kevin. Hello, and I'm Kevin Sensenig, the Chief Learning Officer at Good Leadership and the founder of Interaction Dynamics Group, the Mid-Atlantic Partner for Good Leadership. Well, it's great to be with you again today, Paul, and I am really excited about our topic today, trust. It became evident to me as I began to think about preparation for this discussion that one of the things that really allows us to work so well together is the high amount of trust we've built with one another over the years. Mm -hmm. And it makes us successful, and it's also uh, led to kind of that same commitment we have for one another. Yeah, Kevin, I absolutely agree. I've worked with a lot of people through the years, and you know, you and I hardly ever see each other physically, but we're so aligned on so many things. I never miss deadlines for you, and you don't miss them for me, and that's the basic dependability that you can start to build a really trusting relationship on. Definitely, that's a key foundation of trust. I'm looking forward to digging into some more of those elements, but that dependability uh, is critical in the area of trust. So let me just state the obvious here. Is there a bigger subject than trust? I don't think so right now. Yeah, so thousands of scholars have been talking about this since the beginning of time. You know, I doubt that you and I are going to have all that much contemporary wisdom that's going to change this. It, you know, it's a fundamental concept of the human race, and it's also a fun topic because nobody really has the corner on this subject. Right. We're just trying to be pragmatic. And the way I see it is that trust is an outcome of people who behave and solve problems together in ways that are predictable and where people feel like they win together. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to be a good leader without building trust. So our thinking about trust starts with our trust triangle. You know, we believe that I have to have your best interest in mind, that you believe I'm capable of doing what I say I'm going to do, that I'm going to follow through and be reliable to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to be transparent in communicating that along the way. And the pinnacle of that is that you know I believe or have your best interest at heart. Yeah, so literally a visual of a triangle. Sincerity on the top, capability on the right, dependability on the left, and transparency in the middle. We call right. it a trust triangle. And we think those four things allow people to really build and extend trust to one another. And it's that middle part, that transparency that holds it all together. Because if I believe that you're sincere and you're transparent with me, then I'm open to extending trust to you. Yeah, and we have ways of measuring that. Mm -hmm. We use the T-Momentum survey. We've talked about it a number of times. And oddly enough, one of the reasons that people won't take the T-Momentum survey sometimes is because they don't trust each other enough to do the survey. They don't want right. to see what the data is going to come back like. Yeah. And a part of that is societal. So I've been doing research and leading good leadership for almost 13 years now. And in the last decade, we've seen the largest drop in institutional trust in our lifetime or in mm. maybe even in humankind, but I, I can't think that far. Um, so Edelman PR firm does the trust barometer. And they've been tracking how we think and feel about the largest institutions. Mm. And in the United States, those institutions are government, big business, the media, and organized religion. Mm -hmm. And we have seen the largest drop in trust of those four institutions in the last decade. Matter of fact, the lowest number of those four is 38%. Wow. And so what we're learning is that because you can't trust what you hear in the media, mm -hmm. you can't trust the motives of big business, organized religion seems to be just all over the place. Because we can't trust those things, we're actually expecting to find more goodness and trust in our workplace yeah. 
And that puts tremendous pressure on leaders to create an environment where trust is like oxygen. Mm-hmm. And you and I encounter this a lot in our coaching, and I'm sure this brings many of those things to mind for you. Well, first of all, it's a shame that those institutions have eroded trust to such a degree mm-hmm. in society. But I think your last point is critical. That's why it's imperative as leaders we create that environment of trust. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually makes me think about a, probably one of the most stark examples of trust or lack of trust in an organization that I dealt with a few years ago. Uh, and a friend of mine, I say a friend because I had coached him in a previous organization. He moved to a organiza- new organization, became the president of one of their largest divisions. And he called me within the first week of being there and said, we got a real mess on our hands. We're not hitting our goals. Things aren't flowing the way they're supposed to. I don't think anyone even likes or trusts each other here. And I've got to fix that. And Ooh, my, now we have a juicy plot line. I can't figure out. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how this goes. So my good coaching question was, how can I help? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and his, his answer back to me was, well, I've given them all Lencioni's book on dysfunctional teams. Oh, yeah. And it says we need to start with trust. So we're going to build trust first, and then I'll call you to get some help to move the team forward. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting perspective because you and I both see trust as an output of team dynamics. He was looking at it as an input to team dynamics. And so I, I shared with him that concern. Dave, listen, you can go there, but here's the challenge you might face in doing that. And he said, I, I hear you, Kevin, but I'm reading the book. Got to start with trust. I got to get trust there. When it's there, I'll call you back. So let me predict how this went. So you sit down and you say, hey, we have a, we have a trust problem. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody crosses their arms and pushes themselves away from the table and says, well, not me. Yeah. And then when you finally engage people, they start pointing fingers at, well, here's why I don't trust you. Yeah. You know, you didn't do this. You don't do that. And man, it's, it's, a, it's an awful meeting to manage. Well, yeah. So I, that's, I think, a lot what happened that first year. I called him back a year later to say, Dave, where are you at? You ready to get started? And he said, I don't think we've made one step forward on trust in a whole year. That's amazing. And that's when it became clear to me that you can't start with trust. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that concept, that idea a lot. Mm -hmm. This was a prime example of that. And so I had to convince him that you can't just keep waiting for trust to build. You have to take some action to Mm -hmm. build that trust. Mm -hmm. And so in our good fashion, let's put some data to that. Mm -hmm. Let's put some reality around that. Let's put some pragmatism to this. Mm And so we sat down with the team. He finally, he finally agreed. We brought the team together. We went through the team momentum survey process. He looked at that and said, wow, there's some really clear evidence here of why we don't have trust. Mm-hmm. People began to not point fingers but say, well, yeah, I don't know what that other department's doing, so why would I ever extend trust to them? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they're making decisions in sales or why they're making decisions to bring that product project in versus this other project. Why would I extend trust to them? Mm-hmm. And that open dialogue began to kind of melt all that frustration and stress within the team, and they began to just go right into action planning. Well, if I do this, would that help you? I'll do that if you do this. And they began to, in front of his eyes, take away that lack of trust issue and begin to open up about what things they could do as a team to move forward together. So I have a prediction to make. So you and I have been using the Team Momentum Survey for a decade now, um, I'm, I think I have an idea about what um, color, red, yellow, or green, that yeah. compelling plan was. So tell me, where, was the, where were they on compelling plan? It was red. Yeah, well, that's the place to start. If you do yeah. not have a compelling plan, you do not have goodness in the organization because they don't know what you're all trying to build together. Right. And the new president was thinking, 
well, they know what they're doing. The plan will naturally evolve. Mm-hmm. And what they became very evident in that meeting was they did not have a sense of one plan. Mm-hmm. Production had a plan. Sales had a plan. Service had a plan. Customer engagement had a plan. But they did not have one plan. So without a plan, you can't actually sincerely help other people win together. Right. So that ultimately means there was no trust. Mm-hmm. So they knew it didn't feel good, but having some evidence of that, some data to put to that, really broke down those barriers. It allowed them to speak about it very directly, uh, to not just point fingers and mm-hmm. assume that people weren't doing things because they didn't like them. Mm-hmm. They became clear that they weren't doing things because they didn't have a plan to do that together. Okay, so when you're doing this kind of work, you can start to spot little signals mm-hmm. that people are starting to trust one another. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did you guys see? How did you build upon that? And sort of what kind of activities did you use to help bring that trust out? Yeah, so what, what they did immediately was begin to action plan what they could do to support one another and to identify very clearly for the other departments who was responsible for what things. Mm-hmm. They actually on the wall, built a matrix that said, this team is in charge of these things and will make these decisions, and here's how they'll interact with the other department around those things. They begin to talk about those key things they needed to talk about more often, share more often, and and follow through on mm-hmm. so that the plan could, could move forward. So mm-hmm. building the plan together, clarifying the roles and responsibilities, and those key decision points begin to just take away all that distrust. You know, and I've done that same technique where you put people's goals up Mm, on on a matrix like that. And it's usually eye-opening. And they realize how many goals people have that are some ways contradictory to other people's goals there. And by getting it out and looking at it, you can start to problem solve. And Mm -hmm. so my guess is when they started to clarify roles and responsibilities, clarify timelines and expectations, Mm -hmm. then people could challenge each other in ways that were healthy. So this idea of healthy tension to me, when you start seeing healthy tension, that's a sign that people trust each other enough. So were there any examples of that that came out of this story? Well, that's kind of the culmination of all of this. They began to get comfortable with the uncomfortable discussions. So when deadlines were missed, it didn't become a finger pointing. It became a, why are we not hitting that deadline? What can we do together to resolve that? So that's where the healthy tension came in. They could share those concerns, share those ideas, and rather than using it as a way to punish the other department, it was a way to work together as two departments to make to solve something for their customer. You know, I had something happen earlier this week that was almost identical to this. And so an organization is uh, applying for a very large RFP that's the kind of thing that they have to win to be able to basically survive as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, every five years, these RFPs come up. And the team was reviewing um, earlier this week on a Tuesday and everybody was uncomfortable with the quality of the RFP. It just didn't meet their expectations. Hmm. And so somebody raised it and said, this is due next, a week from today. Do we think we need to cancel most of what we're doing during the week and work together to make this better? Hmm. And someone else said, hey, in all due respect, I'm not criticizing you, but this is not up to our expectations. And I'm worried if we don't spend time so they literally canceled all their meetings for the rest of the week. Wow. They kind of locked each other in a room and said, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And every two hours they checked in and they started rebuilding a government contract RFP together. Mm. And when I checked in them earlier this week, 
now they're actually going to work all weekend long because they want to deliver it on Monday and give themselves 24 hours of grace period. Mm -hmm. But they turn something that could have turned out to be, you know, something really difficult, finger pointing, maybe even a witch hunt in their own mm -hmm. team mm -hmm. into something that is actually very positive where they're actually helping each other. And it was the ability to create the healthy tension that did it. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of ties back to the story we're talking about mm -hmm. because this team saw a similar outcome. Not that they were giving up the weekend to come in and do an RFP, but they began to recognize that when they saw trust as the output of their team work together, now they wanted to work together. They wanted to win together. And so they were willing to commit the extra energy, the extra effort to understand the other person's perspective and to bring that into the conversation and begin to work on things together. And within six months, they saw that they were now hitting goals. They were meeting deadlines. They were having better customer conversations. And when things were bumpy or not going well, they didn't have to feel like they were on an island. They had a team supporting them. Mm -hmm. It changed the whole dynamic of the, of the division. Well, I want to go back to where we started with the Lencioni book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say that I love the Lencioni books. I, I really do. I, I think love them all. I think they're amazingly crafted. I read them all. I think they're fantastic. What I found is that they're difficult to implement. And so the idea of start with trust, I, I just don't agree. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have ways of getting people there. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite techniques is what we call the respect and admire exercise. Mm. So you make a list of all the things that you think high-performing teams do really, really well. And then you say, guess what? I want you to give three pieces of feedback to every person on this team that comes from that list about what you respect and admire about who they are and how they lead. Hmm. So you, it's like speed dating. You got yeah. five people on one side and five people on the other, and they get three minutes, and you say, hey, here's what I really respect and admire about how you lead. And once you've gone through that entire exercise, people, they feel the sincerity. So go back to our triangle. Yeah. Ooh, maybe you really do have my best interest yeah. in mind. So therefore, I'm willing to engage mm -hmm. in ways that I haven't in the past. And we've seen trust rise very quickly when you start talking about things that help, um, you know, raise the esteem of the team collectively. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to implement these ideas, maybe just not as literally as they look in the book. Well, that leads to that middle part of the triangle, the transparency. Yes. It's very difficult to give input to someone or feedback to someone or state things that you respect about someone mm -hmm. if you're not being pretty transparent about it. Mm -hmm. People will recognize if it's insincere, if it's not transparent very quickly. Well, and if I have to read your mind, yeah. most of the time I'm not, I'm not reading things that are positive. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, he's upset with me for saying that, right? And so, well, I, I love it. Um, this is a very, very large subject. We could do yeah. 10 podcasts. As a matter of fact, one of my best friends in the speaking and consulting industry is a guy named Dave Horsager. He's dedicated his entire career to studying trust. He wrote this book called Trust Edge. I highly recommend it. Um, we don't teach trust. What we do is we help executive teams trust each other so they can get better results. Yeah. And that's the difference between what Dave's doing and what we're doing. Real quick, if I could go back to the exercise you talked about. Yep. I had a quick question for you on that. Yep. So you said they create a list of all the things they see in high-trust teams. Yeah, and teams they admire. Teams they admire. Do, do you ever find teams doing that exercise then struggle to find things they respect and admire about members of their team from that list? Actually, no. Okay. I've never seen that problem happen okay. because when it's all about framing, 
Mm. And if we say, I want you to look at everybody in the room through the lens of what you just wrote down here, you can see it. So what we concentrate on grows, what we look for, we find. There you go. Yeah. And so if I see, you know, they're positive, they support one another, they like one another, I can say, you know what, Kevin, you're a positive guy. You support people and I like spending time with you. Mm -hmm. It's an easy thing to do. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So one of the most important parts about this podcast then is finding the success habits mm -hmm. in these stories that we tell about our coaching. Yeah. And so I'm curious to find out, you know, what do you think were the success habits that came out of this particular story? Well, typically we talk about these in terms of structural and relational yep. success habits, mm -hmm. and we will do that here. The interesting thing about this example, though, is that I think both the structural and relational success habits deal with the same issue. Okay. Equal voice. Okay. So structurally, it's important that we allow all the individuals in the team, regardless of their role, to have an equal voice or equal time in providing input to key decisions. And then relationally, it's about embracing the healthy tension, mm -hmm. uh, allowing people to speak up and share their perspective with that zero cost of candidate. It's not going to be held against you for speaking up and sharing your thoughts. Okay, so embedded in this story, obviously there were some people that dominated the conversation and kind of shut other people down. Correct. So the structural success habit is literally keeping track of making sure that everyone weighs in with an equal voice on all the subjects. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lessens the pressure that comes from the people who are always weighing in and also brings out those people who haven't been heard from yet. And if right. that you repeat that over and over and over again, not only does the sincerity rise, but the, um, the competency rises Correct. in the team, okay? So then if I think about the relational success habit, encouraging healthy tension. That's mm -hmm. a topic we've talked about a number of times before. But teams that cannot create healthy tension together don't have trust. Right. I, I think those are really powerful suggestions for people. And I, I'm even thinking about how I can use some of these ideas again and some things I know that I'm going to be dealing with later on in this week with some of the coaching I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Really good discussion. I really enjoyed uh, thinking about trust from our perspective and also how we do, deal with teams around trust. So thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate doing these podcasts with you. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to keep this conversation going about goodness and leading and coaching teams. And we certainly hope you enjoyed today's episode. We always like to hear from you about things you'd like to hear in future episodes or ideas you have about what you heard today. So please reach out to us at info at goodleadership.com. That's I-N-F-O at goodleadership.com. So until next time, remember, good leadership is a team sport, and it's our intention to help you build the team that helps you build your dreams. Make it a great day. 